So welcome to the Track Chat Show, Zach Brown. It's good to have you on the show. Good to be here, listening to some cool McLarens in the background. Absolutely. What's going around the track right now? Uh, we've got a bunch of cool stuff going around the track. Uh, Mika Hakkinen's World Championship car from uh, it's either 98 or 99. Uh, our last World Championship car, which was too long ago, which is Lewis Hamilton's 2008 car. Uh, Bruce McLaren's uh, British Grand Prix uh, podium car. Uh, James Hunt's. Race winner, our first world championship car, Emerson Fittipaldi. I've seen a few Alain Prost championship cars. And, uh, of course, Ayrton Senna, 91. Uh, so some pretty, uh, pretty special cars out here. Just a few icons. Just, a few, just a few <laughs> legends. <laughs> Absolutely. It was amazing to see them getting prepped there yesterday. Are you driving any of the cars? Uh, I'm racing my own cars. Uh, I'll do something in the parade tomorrow in Bruce McLaren's uh, championship Can-Am car. Uh, that's actually not a McLaren-owned car. It's yeah. a, a friend of McLaren, so I'll drive that around. Otherwise, I'm racing my two cars this weekend. Very cool. Very cool. And what, what brings us here to Velocity Invitational then? Uh, What's well, ultimately our 60-year uh, anniversary. We've been working with uh, Velocity the last, last few years, so they wanted us to uh, help spice up the show and uh, give the fans some cool cars and cool drivers to meet. So that's exactly what we've done, and it's, uh, it's been great. Weather's great. Tracks. A fantastic and uh, big event. I think there'll be some good crowd here uh, over the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Zach, I don't have as fancy of an accent as Rory here, so I'm from Indianapolis, IndyCar fan at heart. Um, when you entered an IndyCar and talked about the focus on North America as a market for McLaren, it's a few years now, this footprint of velocity is incredible. But looking back, so how have the last few years gone in your perspective and making that impact on North America from a McLaren brand perspective? Yeah, IndyCar's done everything that we'd hoped uh, it would do for our, our brand, our, our employees, our fans, our, our sponsors. Um, it was great, great team, Arrow McLaren. Uh, we've been winning races. We came close to winning the Indy 500 this year with a couple couple of different drivers that was a missed opportunity but um you know we're very competitive uh, all, th- all three cars we've got a, a a new driver this year in in david malukas joining alex and and pato and then of course kyle larson at the indy 500 which i think will be fantastic and partnering with uh rick hendrick and jeff gordon is uh pretty special so it's it's been great even though north america is now taken off for formula one we still want to have a bigger North American presence than our uh, competitors in Formula One. So we feel uh, IndyCar uh, turbocharges, if you'd like, uh, the North American marketplace for us. Sure. I'm going to skip ahead really fast here, Rory. But on that point, you've put in a lot of resources into IndyCar. Uh, you're bringing in big names from NASCAR. Uh, Fernando, obviously, was where you started in IndyCar. Um, when you look at the series as a whole, McLaren's putting a lot of investment into the series. What does the series need to do, though, on the investment side, do you think, to take it to the next level? Because, you know, writing, Rossi's mentioned yesterday, right? It's the pre-drive to survive period and post. What's that, what's that point for IndyCar? Yeah, I think uh, the on-track competition is second to none in uh, IndyCar. You can have a different winner uh, every weekend and probably 10 different winners over the course of the year. So I think they've got that uh, right. Uh, I'd like to see some more uh, new venues. You know, of course, easier said than done. Uh, I think there's opportunity to increase our digital uh, footprint and activation, help bring in that younger uh, audience and maybe some of the the coasts. Um, I think we could do with a a, a new car here uh, sooner rather than later. Um, You know, IMS has come out with new cars, Formula One's new cars, and I remember uh, growing up, and get excited about the True Sports chassis or the March chassis or Porsches coming in or Alfa Romeo. And I think um, now with having a single chassis, it's great that we're going to hybrid. I think that's necessary. But a new chassis, I think, will speed up the cars and uh, freshen up 
the product uh, a bit, but I think uh, IndyCar is getting a lot more right uh, than, than wrong. There's just a lot of opportunity. And on that question of hybrid then coming in, I mean, you've got the benefit as McLaren of having, you know, run cars in Formula E, which is full electric. Obviously, you've also got hybrid powertrains in Formula 1. Do you think that's an advantage for you coming into IndyCar with hybrid? Um, not so much because ultimately the hybrid's supplied to us and so we're not really allowed to, to meddle with it. So, um, you know, as you said, we're, we're, it's not foreign to us, but uh, we're not allowed to really touch it. Uh, so if there's any issues, which there, there will be anytime you introduce a new technology, uh, so I, I don't think we'll have much um, of an advantage there. I wouldn't mind seeing a new car because the teams we're competing with have been fiddling with these cars for 10 years, so uh, they've got a lot of knowledge that we're catching up on. I think if uh, there was a new car, a little bit of a fresh start, uh, maybe we'd uh, pull out a little bit of our technical advantage then. And I often think you must be one of the busiest men in motorsport in terms of the amount of series you're running under the McLaren umbrella. I mean, you've got Extreme, you've got Formula E, you've got Formula One, you've got IndyCar, and you've got the gaming as well. How do you manage all of those different projects? I mean, that must be an incredible. It, um, having great people, because yeah. uh, you definitely can't do it all. And so I think my job is to, you know, each racing team stands on its own. It has its own leadership. It's, you know, there's no kind of crossover. Um, so... In, in uh, some aspects, you know, myself and, and the kind of central leadership team are the ones that cut across all the different series. But the people that are going racing, they're dedicated to those racing series. So it's easy for them to remain focused. And then we all kind of move around based upon um, making sure we're adding value and supporting the various racing teams. It just means a lot of travel and a lot of race weekends, but I'm okay with that. Any plans to add any more series? Um, I wouldn't mind us getting into uh, sports car racing. Uh, our, our sister company, uh, Automotive, have now uh, entered uh, in, in WEC or will be entering in WEC, so that's quite exciting. Uh, I'd love to see McLaren back uh, going for the overall win at uh, Le Mans one of these days. Reminiscent of the days of the McLaren F1, that epic. That would, epic, be, uh, that would be awesome. I remember uh, when, the, when they came out, and it was kind of, of course, McLaren's going to win in their debut. So... Uh, um, I'd like to see McLaren back to uh, that level of strength. We're getting there. Yeah. Speaking of like the McLaren family, I think you're the only motorsport team, maybe Penske in some ways, where you really like bringing the drivers together, bringing all of the teams together. Um, and also that means drivers, maybe, you know, we're seeing Rossi and Pato drive different cars, but the crossover from different series to different series, right? Like we almost had Alex Albon Daytona 24. Sounds like that's not going to happen. Do you want to see more drivers do crossover, or is it even possible right now with, I guess, how important each series is? It's it's pretty difficult, but um, I I like it. It is, you know, I like, um, you know, if you're a McLaren driver, you're a McLaren driver. So I think uh, on opportunities like this to, you know, get get our Formula One or Extreme E or IndyCar uh, drivers together and and taste each other's equipment, I think is is fun for, for them. Uh, you know, this weekend I said, Lando, you know, you don't have to drive if you don't want to. And his response was 100% I want to drive. Yeah. So they all like to, to race and experience. I think that's uh, that's fun and I think it's great for the fans and the sponsors. Yeah, and on that, you've got a very competitive stable of drivers. And, you know, Pato would obviously like to hop in an F1 car one day, Rossi maybe too. But, like, how do you kind of manage that stable of such a competitive drivers now that you kind of bring them all together and Pato and Lando getting along and all that? Yeah, I mean, they all get along great. Uh, I mean, that is one of the challenges when you have someone like Pato who would like to do Formula One and uh, is certainly capable of doing Formula One. But, you know, the window of opportunity 
needs to open and it may or may may not so what you do want to do is make sure he stays focused on winning the indycar championship and the indy 500 and you know accomplishing that actually increases his opportunities so um you know uh it's exciting formula one's the pinnacle of of racing so i don't think there's a racing driver that doesn't want to do uh, formula one you've been quite vocal in the past about what pato has to do to you know essentially get into formula one which we spoke to him yesterday he's still very keen on that are you still are there still sort of set milestones of what he needs to do to to get there well there needs to be a seat open and right now lando and oscar are doing great jobs and we've got them for uh, tied up for for some time so um you know there has to be a seat available there so all pato needs to do is keep doing what he's doing and if the window of opportunity opens then uh, he'll get an opportunity and if it uh and if it doesn't i think uh being an IndyCar champion and Indy 500 winner is not a bad place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And um, on the subject of, of F1, then, Piastri has done a really you know, fantastic job this year. We've seen him make massive progress in, in, in Formula 1. You, you put a lot of effort into getting him um, into the team. What, what did you see in him? Um, he had a very similar career to Lando. You know, kind of won everything in his first year, which is always a, a sign of an exceptional... Uh, driver, someone who adapts that quick to new machinery, new tracks, new new series. So it was pretty clear when you saw his junior career, uh, which kind of mirrored Lando's, that uh, he was going to be an all-star, and looks like we were right. And how do you, you've got two, you know, very talented drivers, and, and how do you manage the relationship between the two of them as well? Because uh, Just open and transparently, they're, they're pushing each other. Uh, they have similar driving styles, which is great. So when they give us feedback, it's consistent feedback um, to help us improve the the car. If they kind of felt different things, then you might scratch your head or have to go in two different directions with the car. But they uh, they push each other on and off the track, and they've got a great relationship. And uh, just being open and transparent and, and fair with them. Yeah. And um, McLaren has had a, a really good season, I think it's fair to say, this, this F1 season. Um, you know, it, it's made massive progress after the upgrades came in. What it's still not close to Red Bull, and I don't think anyone is, to be honest. But looking ahead at next season, what does McLaren need to do to maybe close that gap, and and if not, even go beyond? Red yeah, Bull? we need to uh, we need to find a few tents. We're not we're not far behind. I think what we don't know is how early Red Bull stopped developing. So we're, we're all catching Red Bull, but is that because they're kind of standing still? Uh, and I don't think we'll know the answer to that till we start next year and we see how early they got started on their 24 car but i think we need to keep just doing what we're doing all the upgrades we've been putting on the car is working drivers are getting the job done pit stops are great reliability's been strong so we just need to keep doing what we're we're doing and the gap's getting pretty small now i mean max beat lando by eight seconds that was probably the closest race uh of the year as far as a pure pace point of view and eight seconds over uh, an hour and a half is not much yeah um you have a friend, Michael Andretti. He's trying to put together a bid to get onto the grid in a couple of years. Uh, you've been an outspoken supporter of the entry. Um, what do you think needs to happen for him to actually to be on the grid? Slash, is this a working the paddock? Is this politics, or is this more of does it actually make sense for F one? Yeah, I think ultimately, you know, everyone's had an opinion, but no one's actually seen what the proposal is, myself included. So I think, you know, my position is if they can help us grow the fan base, grow sponsorship, grow television contracts, effectively make the pie bigger and be additive, you know, General Motors coming in, et cetera, um, then it's great for the sport. If um, upon review by Formula One, who really has the, uh, they have in the FIA, 
uh, determine that they're not additive to the sport but dilutive, then that's a problem. But, um, you know, my view is if they're additive, whether it's Michael Andretti or another team, uh, then it's great for the sport. If it's dilutive, then it's not great for the sport. And, the, and uh, there's only two people that have a say in that matter, and that's the FIA and, and Formula One. And if this, was, if this bit came together pre-Drive to Survive, do you think it would have been as tough as a fight that Andretti's been going through to get through this just because of the rise um, of the sport? I, I do think the um, franchise fee is too low. Um, but I, I, I think everybody thinks, thinks that, uh, because it was done five years ago, you know, when, when the sport was in a different place. So, uh, I do think it needs, uh, to be the appropriate franchise fee, but for my conversations with Michael, I think he's open-minded to what that might, uh, look like. Um, so I do, I do think, to, uh, you know, things change. And um, the sport is in a totally different place right now. And I think uh, a healthy franchise fee is, a, is appropriate for the sports at. And, and talking about that, you know, we're about to witness the, the Las Vegas Grand Prix, which is, a, you know, been billed as a milestone event for Formula One. But also from that entertainment perspective, it's a huge deal. What are your thoughts on the race? You know, in, in I general? think it's going to be uh, off the charts. Yeah. It's going to be uh, spectacular I think visually. Um, the audience, the buzz, it'll be the biggest sporting event in the world uh, this year. Um, kind of a typical Formula One race is about the size of a, is a Super Bowl. Really, the only thing that trumps uh, ensure scale is the Olympics or the World Cup, which aren't uh, annual events. So uh, I think Las Vegas will be the biggest sport sporting event in the world this year. And, and F1 has for a long time really tried to crack, you know, America. It's been in America a long time. It's just never really sort of got the traction that it has in Europe. Is this the event to do that? I think it's already done it. I think this is the event to uh, continue the, the growth. But I think um, uh, Coda, Austin, did a fantastic job. Um, Drive to Survive obviously played a, a huge role. And then you got the Miami Grand Prix. And I think Formula One's already uh, pretty big now in America. New television contract, new uh, Brad Pitt movie coming out. And we haven't even had a Las Vegas yet. So I, I don't think Las Vegas cements it. I think Las Vegas just continues to accelerate the growth. Yeah. And... Um where does F1 go from, from, you know, obviously it's reaching some great heights and, and after all that comes out, where does it go from there? Like, what's the next frontier? I, I think growing television ratings. Mm. If you look at the size of the television ratings in North America, um, they're not even close to, you know, an NFL or an NBA. And so I think uh, we've got the right amount of races. We've got a great television partner. I think now it's about driving television ratings to, to where the other major league mm. sports are. Um, that'll drive continued uh, eyeballs. Yeah. And with your other series, I mean, we, we touched briefly on it, but Formula E, Extreme E, the, you know, the sort of other series that maybe don't get, get the same eyeballs that F1 and IndyCar does. But how, how is that going for you? How's the electric side of things? Great. I mean, that was all about sustainability and yeah. DE&I and emerging technologies, uh, electric vehicles. And so that's why we, we entered. We have our first female uh, racing driver, Emma Gilmore. Mm -hmm. She's done a great job. Um, DE&I is very important to us. We're about 20% uh, of our workforce is underrepresented. We'd like to double that by the end of the decade. Uh, obviously, electric technology is, is here, to, here to stay. Uh, so it's a great environment for us to, to be in kind of a um, coming back to uh, spoke earlier about, you know, kind of Bruce McLaren and being an innovator and visionary and pioneering. And so we felt uh, getting in those two racing series uh, kind of fit our brand. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm interested, um, 
from a sort of future focused view i mean we, we look at the car world we all know where it's going we're sat in front of a load of electric cars here um what about you know formula one where's that where's that heading in terms of innovation um I think you know we'll have sustainable and biofuels yeah. in, in the next era. Uh, the the ICE engines getting smaller and smaller. It's the most thermal efficient engine uh, power unit in in the world. Um, you know it's it's got hybrid and battery. So I, I think uh, Formula One's always been about innovation and technology. And I think we're going to find. You know, I'm asked often, do you know do I think the whole world's going to go electric? Not only it will. I think there's going to be a variety of ways to propel. Vehicles. I think there'll be some transport that is is electric. Um, you have autonomous, uh, you know, transportation. You're going to have hydrogen is is being uh, spoken about and, and used. So I, I think we're going to find there's going to be a variety of ways to uh, uh, propel. You know, it's not the ice engine that creates. It's what you put in it. Yep. So if we can, you know, you know, get uh, sustainable and biofuels and continue to innovate there, it's the, the ice engine's not the issue. It's what you put in it. Yeah, uh, you mentioned being a McLaren driver and you want your drivers to feel like they're a McLaren driver no matter what the series they're in. One, was that was that part of a roadmap you put together a few years ago, a conscious decision you, you made to kind of rally the group together? And B, do you think other teams, maybe at F1 or IndyCar level, will regret not taking that approach in the long run, really having a stable of drivers from junior series all the way up to the top? Um, when I joined McLaren, you know, I remember McLaren running Indy and Le Mans and Okay, Can-Am was before my time, but it's it's a, it's a racing business. And uh, so in speaking with the shareholders, it was, let's fix Formula One, but uh, we are in the business of racing. So if there's other things that make sense, let's, let's go racing. So that was always um, part of the plan uh, at the right time, right place. Um, you know, the other racing teams, Ferraris in, in WEC and in Formula One and GT racing. So I don't think we're... Uh, alone in having multiple racing platforms. I think we're unique in what we race, and uh, I think it's been great for, for us and um, missed opportunity for others, but that's not a bad thing. Um. I was going to say, it's interesting you mentioned Ferrari. I they do race in other series, but I don't think they have the same kind of like cross-pollination, yeah. cohesion team yeah. sort of element to it. You don't see a, you know, Charles Leclerc jumping in a... I don't know, something else Ferrari's racing in particularly, uh, or, nor is that even viewed as an option, whereas it seems yeah, different. Yeah, I think everyone's everyone's different. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked the, uh, you know, my favorite drivers outside of Senna and, and Hakkinen were the Fittipaldis, the Mansells, mm. the Mario Andretti's who raced in different forms of, of racing. You know, those three guys in particular are, um, you know, IndyCar champions and Formula One champions, so I've always liked mm. like that, and uh, and the drivers like it. And, and going back to, to sort of, you know, the early days, you, you grew up watching those guys on, on TV, um, and that's presumably where your interest in racing started, was it? Yeah, uh, my first ever race was the 81 Long Beach Grand Prix, and then I would go to Riverside for the NASCAR and uh, IMSA, IMSA Camel GT races, and then Pomona for the drag races. And that was all in, you grew up in all LA? All in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that was what got me into, not, not into the business of racing, but yeah. started the passion. And when you were there, did you think, one day I'm going to... I didn't really think it er early on. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I went to the Long Beach Grand Prix in 87 and met Mario Andretti um, that I thought, I want to race carts and, <laughs> and race. And that's where it all got started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, and Zach, thank you for the time. Maybe one uh, here to end on. But um, is Tony Kanaan retired? And <laughs> what race will he end uh, up being I in think he's year? retired from the Indy 500, but he's made it very clear he's not retired. 
All right. All right. Well, Zach, um, we really appreciate the time. Fun to talk, both F1 IndyCar. Um, so appreciate it. My pleasure. Awesome.